Hello, this podcast is part of our tax podcast series. I'm Ian Hyde and I lead the tax disputes team at Osborne Clark. Today I'm with my old friend Heather Self of Accountants Blick Rothenberg to talk about HMRC's proposals to require large businesses to report uncertain tax positions to HMRC. Heather is a well-known speaker on tax matters and has recently contributed to the Institute for Fiscal Studies response on these proposals. Hello Heather. Hello Ian. Um, Now Heather, this measure is aimed at the uh, tax gap caused by taxpayers taking a different view of the correct interpretation of the tax law. So it's not really about avoidance or evasion. Um, The intention here is to alert HMRC to large businesses taking what you might call an aggressive approach to statutory interpretation. So um, but before we get into HMRC's proposal, could we first discuss the current position? If a taxpayer takes what we might call one of those aggressive interpretations, then unless the arrangement falls into DOTAS or the international disclosure regimes, there's no requirement to disclose that to HMRC, is there? Um, a taxpayer can do so in the return, or the old white space, in a clearance application or in correspondence, and there are limitation and penalty reasons why you might do so. However, if you don't, HMRC can only work out the vulnerability in the tax return by interpreting the numbers in the return. Is that right? And what's what's really your experience of making voluntary disclosures of uncertainties at the moment? What I'm seeing is that most taxpayers, particularly larger businesses, are likely to disclose a significant uncertainty up front. They'll either do this through the white space, as you've mentioned, to make sure they're protected from a later discovery assessment, or they'll discuss it with their customer compliance manager, their CCM, as part of their regular risk discussions. I think a lot of people underestimate the level of trust and openness which often exists between a compliant large business and their HMRC team. After all, it is in the interests of both sides to get uncertainties out on the table and resolve them efficiently, if at all possible. Yes, I think that's that's possibly something we'll come back to later about um, the usefulness of CCMs and businesses that don't have them being under something of a disadvantage. Uh, but sticking with the current position, when I'm running a tax dispute, there's normally a debate with the audit team at the time of the accounts being prepared as to whether a provision should be made in the accounts. Any any thoughts on that? I think accounts provisions are a bit of a separate issue. So under accounting standards, the requirement is to make a provision where it's more likely than not that a liability will crystallise. If it's not quite reached that level, but it's material, then you'll disclose a contingent liability. And most of the arguments I've seen between tax directors and auditors are about the company wanting to make a provision, which the auditor sees as too prudent. Uh, Indeed, the idea that you could just have a a bucket of a general provision, that went out of favour some years ago. So I'm seeing a slightly different picture there, I think. Yes, that's interesting. Um, There's practical issues here on how to manage this issue, which you don't really have time to get into. But the concerns many clients have is that if they do have to make a provision, and and certainly I've had this conversation with a number of clients, so again, we might be seeing things slightly differently, as you always do, um, that that provision alerts HMRC to the fact the business believes there's a material risk of a liability um, and that that liability could be pounds X, the number in the accounts. 
Yes, if there's an actual provision, it's not going to be very visible in the accounts unless it's so huge that it's actually distorting the tax rate. And I'll defer to you here on what HMRC can get their hands on, but I'm not sure that it would be reasonable for HMRC to ask for full details of all the, the tax provisions in the accounts. They're allowed to ask for information which is relevant to the tax liability. Not sure that would be. If it's a contingent liability, well, then the taxpayer considers that they're right and will be prepared to have the argument with HMRC. Yes, that's 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 <laughs> that's the that's the debate, isn't it? So, um, okay, but aside from notifiable avoidance arrangements, voluntary disclosure, and provisions in the accounts, if any, um, HMRC it seems to me don't have visibility on who's taken positions they don't like. So, again, I think it's against that background that we've got the current consultation. Um, Heather, could you just tell us about, in broad terms, what's being proposed now? So this is round two. We had a consultation last year which was withdrawn and has now been brought back with some amendments. It's intended to bring in a requirement for large businesses to report uncertain tax provisions positions on corporation tax, employment taxes and VAT. So the businesses within scope will be those who are within the senior accounting officer and tax strategy regimes. So they've got to have turnover of at least 200 million a year or a balance sheet of at least 2 billion. And they'll only have to report uncertainties of more than 5 million pounds in tax terms. Um, it's expected to be brought in from next year, so April 2022, but it's not yet clear whether that's going to be for accounting periods ending after that date or tax returns filed after that date but it is coming down the tracks quite soon. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that transitional point is is really um, of concern at the moment, but the, there have been quite a few changes, haven't there? So we've got the ranges of taxes being narrowed. And before we get to the main issues, could we just cover the large company test? I mean, it applies to companies, LLPs and partnerships, as I understand it. What about subsidiaries and say, um, the situation we often come across a US company with a with a UK subsidiary. Well, in terms of where the consultation's up to, I would say there haven't been enough changes yet, but perhaps we'll come back to that. I would expect this to be a UK only test. I think that if you've got a relatively small UK subsidiary of a large US group, then firstly, it's unlikely they're going to have a five million pound uncertainty. And secondly, HMRC want to know about large UK groups. So my expectation is that this is going to be a UK based test, but we will have to wait for the legislation to be sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, and now, obviously, the big issue here, the, the, the real the real issue is what is meant by uncertain. It, it used to be in the first consultation, uh, whether HMRC might disagree with your position, but I think that got heavily criticised, so it's been modified. Um, can you just take us through the changes and, and where the new test, to, to the extent we know, is, is going to bite? I think this is the really disappointing area. As you said at the beginning, this is not about avoidance. This is about businesses taking a different view of the law. And frankly, businesses are quite often right. HMRC don't win every case in the tribunal by a long way. So, HMRC have set out a number of possible tests, but one of them is, are you going against 
the no HMRC's known interpretation of the law? Well, there are some things you know about. The def their definition of capital or revenue is, is quite well known. And if you deliberately claimed a large capital project as a revenue expense, then yes, you are going against HMRC's view. But there's an awful lot of material in HMRC's manuals. And if you're supposed to check that everything is exactly as you always thought it was, I think that's going to be difficult. And to give another example, there's another trigger referring to novel situations. Novel to whom? The taxpayer or HMRC? And if HMRC are really referring to schemes, why don't they beef up the disclosure regime, DOTAS? So overall, I think this is going to impose a lot of compliance burdens on businesses that want to do it right. And frankly, anyone who's taking an aggressive position will get an opinion to say they don't need to disclose. <laughs> um, I would think the crucial test here for these sorts of um, compliance regimes, and we've, we've seen quite a lot of them, haven't we, is whether the filing obligations are clear and objective enough. I mean, clearly, the increase in the threshold from 1 million to 5 million means we're only dealing with significant tax risks. And so at this level, taxpayers might be expected to take advice, although query that uh, the VAT issue seems to me particularly easy, easy to cross as a turnover tax. However, however the novel limb in particular seems to me vague are we going to see the sort of protective notification we used to see under dotas and and what do you see or as the role which you've hinted at before in this uh the role of the customer compliance manager and all this is that is, is he or she going to help here well as I said a couple of minutes ago, I think compliant taxpayers are going to spend more time ensuring they've complied with everything and people who want to be aggressive will carry on being aggressive. So what I think this is going to do is tying up both taxpayer and HMRC resources for very little real benefit. So if you take a large group with a CCM who has a regular annual risk review, they're probably already discussing their main risks. What they'll now be doing is saying, here are all of our risks. Can we just make sure that we have uh, disclosed to you everything that we need to disclose? And I think that's not a good use of either taxpayers or HMRC's time. Yes, yeah, so a point, as I mentioned before, just to come back to this, a point that worries me is a transitional position. Um, depending on how this is going to work, um, on one view, the regime is effectively still in force if it applies to tax positions which will be the subject of post-April 22 returns. I don't see any grandfathering here for tax positions decided years ago. So, for example, ongoing arrangements being VAT exempt. Is that is that your view? I'm still not sure whether it's going to be returns or a counting periods after April 2022. Uh, I think you're right that VAT is going to be a difficult area, particularly because it's a continuing tax. For corporation tax, I think an issue is more likely to be linked to a specific transaction, a disposal or acquisition of a business or an asset. So it will at least be easier to spot. I think you're right that businesses who've got a significant VAT treatment, such as their partial exemption calculation, if it hasn't been explicitly blessed by HMRC, they're going to have a question of whether they should be discussing it now. Uh, a small but I think really important point um, is you talked about CCMs, does, and we've talked about this in other contexts as well, that the, the corporates who are just below the CCM level, aren't, aren't they going to have the worst of all? worlds because they could be within could be over the five million threshold but not big enough to have a ccm to sort out all their issues for them 
I think you've put your finger on a really important point, and, and this is where a lot of my clients sit. They're not big enough to have an in-house tax department. They're not quite big enough to be within the large business service, but they are big enough to have some large technical issues from time to time. And it's already difficult to get HMRC engagement on technical issues, and I think that's something which has got worse during the pandemic. Um, HMRC have said they'll make more resources available, but frankly, I'm sceptical. Yes, I'm, that, that does does worry me. I mean, overall here, Heather, just, just standing back, it seems to me we've got another process-driven initiative by HMRC requiring disclosure of data with threats attached. Uh, I don't say menaces, threats attached, rather than build relationships. I think that's that seems to me the problem. It's not the sort of CCM risk review and perhaps a clearance process that perhaps might improve relationships and compliance but it's that compliance with threats um do you think this is going to make actually the relationship between taxpayer corporate taxpayer and uh, the revenue worse i suspect there might be quite a lot of sympathy between the taxpayer and their ccm that they will both see this as yet another process that's got to be done that really isn't adding much benefit to either side what i'd like to see is the resources that are going into this instead be put into giving HMRC more resources to progress issues more quickly, getting certainty to taxpayers, let them get back to the more important issue of running their business rather than arguing about tax. Uh, yes, indeed. Perhaps perhaps the old inspectors, uh, for those who remember them. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. That is really, really interesting as always um, from you. And that's all, all we have time for. I hope you found this discussion interesting. Uh, thank you uh, to my guest, Heather South. Fascinating. Um, please look forward to future podcasts where I hope we will cover other topical tax and related issues. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>